welcome to Backing Paper for another week. Uh, it is episode hmm, 46, I think. I'm pretty sure it's 46, based on the fact that it was 45 last week. Uh, it's another good news, bad news week. The bad news is no Rachel, because she's off having a lovely weekend away with her husband. Uh, it's their anniversary, and they've gone off for a lovely weekend up in the Lake District, I think. So I hope they're having a wonderful time, even though it has left us sadly bereft. But... Not to worry, because as always, I've got a wonderful co-host with me, and this time it's a returning favourite, a good friend, a my good friend, Alex Purcell, uh, at Grainy Blur, wherever you trip over him. Alex, welcome back to the show. Hello. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good, right? thank you, dude. I don't think you've been on this year. I think the last time you were on the show was um, the photography show back in March. Oh, right, yeah. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I think so. I think so. It was a long time ago anyway. It's been far too long. Um, so it's a delight to have you back with me to go through some emails, um, even though you are forcing me to read all the emails. <laughs> but of course. That, that's fine. That's fine. And we've I'm got in the some... Simon Forster school of uh, email reading. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, that's well, to be, you know, there's a reason for that. If you, you know, <laughs> hear Simon reading emails, you're like, ah, that's why he doesn't read the emails. Um, bless his cotton I... socks. How have you been, mate? Yeah, good. Very good. Busy. Photogra photographically busy and, yeah, generally kind of busy. But, yeah, very good. So what have you been up to photographically? Because you're always doing interesting stuff. Well, the, um, the night into the day assignment has kind of got under my skin a bit, so I've been busy squirreling away with that. Um, yeah, trying to work out how to connect some clock mechanisms up together and... You know, come up with some way of um, exposing a piece of paper over about four hours. Um, yeah, which is, I've had to ditch my first idea and the second one seems a little bit better. But uh, yeah, I've got one decent, well, one kind of decent image out of it, but it looks like entirely day, <laughs> which is a bit disappointing. <laughs> so, day yeah, into more to day. Rework that. Yeah, I need to rework that now and kind of try and make the second half of it look a bit more night. And it would help if I went somewhere with a few more streetlights because my street has got, I think, two or three streetlights on it. And it's not really the best place to try it out, but yeah. I need to find somewhere a bit brighter. Yeah. I, yeah. I love seeing what you're doing with that. Um, <laughs> although, as you said so far, the pictures, uh, you haven't quite nailed the aesthetic you're going for yet, have you? No. No. Uh, no, not at all. Not close. But, yeah, that's no, really good. Really fun to try and work out how to pick up things you know, cheaply that will sort of help do it and uh, yeah trips to pound stretcher and uh, hobby shaft as they call it <laughs> get, um, hobby yeah, shaft hobby craft in the shop that just kind of screws you for anything that you want to get um, yeah I got a box there from there but like a shoe box basically but um, yeah so it was it wasn't too bad actually it was kind of cheap enough to get a few bits together yeah and managed yeah. to build something pretty quickly <laughs> no, no, we, we've got an email a bit later about the uh, just about the day and tonight stuff. Um, I'll, I'll sort of fill listeners in as to how my attempt has been going so far. Uh, spoiler alert, not terribly well. Um, but anyway, should we crack into some of these emails, Al? Mm-hmm. Okay, this first one, entitled World Cyanotype Day, is from friend of the show and the organiser of 127 Film Day, uh, which happens, I think it's four times a year? Is it three or four times? I can't remember, but multiple times throughout the year. Um, incidentally, here's a thought. There's all this argument about... Uh, 
people calling 120 film uh, 120 millimeter. How about if we just use the designation like it was supposed to and call it 120 film, like we call it, you know, 126 film and 127 film? Let's call it 120 film, and then no one's going to say it's 120 millimeter. What do you think, Al? I think I could say 120 millimeter. (laughs) (laughs) Just to wind up M and Hamish. (laughs) Worth it. Anyway, um, JM Golding writes in, Hello, Sonnies. In response to Rachel's question about what people did in honour of World Cyanotype Day, I made this piece on cotton fabric. So we've got a lovely picture here of the um, cyanotype in question. Uh, It's a really beautiful picture. So this is um, what JM Golding has done is created a scene using um, it, it looks a bit like a sun rising over uh, a, a hilly background with trees on doesn't it and it's been made using large leaves as rays for the sun and flower petals for the core of the sun and um, very small fine leaves to represent conifers at the front uh, it's really cool isn't it Al? it's awesome yeah it's really good really good design just yeah perfect really nice proportions to it and just beautifully done it's awesome would yeah. never have thought of I've only ever tried to, to um, get a uh, make a print from a negative with cyanotype. I have kind of had any go at doing this sort of thing. I know you have, haven't you? Recently, yeah, you yeah. Quite a bit. But, but yeah, it's really lovely. Yeah, what I've never tried to do, uh, and I think I've thought about it but never done it, um, is create try and create a. Um, what's the word I'm looking for here? It's almost like a collage, isn't it? It's almost like a. Is that the word? Trying to create a picture using elements. Um, I'm not doing a good job of describing it. I'll put the picture. <laughs> I'll put a link to the picture in the show notes. I hope. Um, but it's really cool. It looks really good. I can't think what the word I'm looking for is, but it looks brilliant. Um, anyway, continuing. Yeah. Uh, the picture was sent to the A. Smith Gallery in Johnson City, Texas, USA, to be part of a collaborative installation. Um, and this is another picture here. You can see it hanging with loads of other cyanotypes um, all hanging down. It looks amazing. Uh, It runs through until October 21st before traveling to the Healing Arts Center in New Orleans for an exhibition that will run from December for Photo Nola until the end of Mardi Gras. And when's the end of Mardi Gras, Al? (laughs) I have no idea. Yeah, hopeless. I don't even know why you're here. Um, It looks as if the art gallery director, Amanda Smith, was hugely successful in her goal of filling the gallery with flags. Uh, I hope you all had a wonderful World Cyanotype Day. Uh, I'm always happy to hear your friendly voices, and Day Into Night is giving me lots of ideas. Keep up the great work. Wishing you good light from JM Golding. Uh, Thank you very much, JM. Um, So if you do live either in Texas, uh, near um, Johnson City, or uh, in New Orleans, this looks like an exhibition to be well worth seeing because all of these flags together hanging um, make a really stunning display. They're all different types of cyanotypes. It looks like some of them are photograms, um, like JM's. Uh, A lot of them seem to be... um, from uh i'm gonna guess digital negatives or very large eight by ten negs um there's some great looking stuff there and just seeing them all hung up together it's a really beautiful display so very cool isn't it Al? yes awesome yeah some amazing ones there i love that jellyfish as well That's yeah cool. yeah and you think most of the cyanotypes you've done have been from negatives so far yeah just just yeah a couple of them i think yeah is it two? yeah no, possibly one actually. I think it might just be the one that Rachel gave me um, as a kit to try at home. Um, oh, so you haven't walked around with it yet then much? 
No, not really. No, I haven't bought chemicals or anything. So oh. there's something else to try. It is. I love cyanotypes. I really do. It's um, as with everything. I wish I had more time to do them. And but um, they're always good fun. I, I and I think what I love about them the most is the versatility. I mean, the fact that you can do them onto fabric. The fact that you can. I mean, the fact that I did them onto wood recently. And um, yeah, that was awesome. There's there's just so much you can do. They're great for playing with, and you can do negatives or you can do photograms or and. Um, and it's so cheap and easy to get into. And whilst it requires, obviously, as with everything, a lot of practice and effort to make stuff that's really good, uh, which I will <laughs> never get to, but um, you can have a lot of fun with it right out of the gate. All right, what have we got next? The next one is from the host or one of the hosts of the Lensless podcast and the large format photography podcast. It is our good friend, Andrew Bartram, who writes in, Hello, Sunbeams. Felt compelled to write in to say how much I enjoyed the show with Ethan and Nick. I can't say I'll be building anything for this, but it certainly got me thinking. I particularly liked the conceptual approach to the topic rather than the literal build a day into night camera. Also, the ideas around pinholger panoramas, AIDS linear shots, all great stuff. Hope Rachel is feeling better. Keep up the excellent work from Andrew. Thank you very much, Andrew. Um, is Was it that show that inspired you to have a go at making something, Cal? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was brilliant. I think um, I wasn't alone as well in uh, having to pull over because I was driving while listening. I had to stop a number of times to start sketching things. <laughs> and I think um, Dave Walker, I've been speaking to as well. He, I think he was kind of caught. We've, we've been chatting a bit. Um, so he was equally inspired, but he's... I think he's kind of more involved with electronics and things and has, you know, his camera sounds like it's going to be um, a lot more complicated and he's got a sort of higher skill level than what I'm trying to uh, pull off. But yeah, he, he's just as gripped by the the, the conversation. Yeah, I, so, yeah. I, I love it. it. It honestly is making me so happy just seeing any of this stuff going on like you're doing. Or Daisy, who, I can't remember the other chap's name. Is it Paul? There's, an, there's another chap on um, Instagram. Uh, I haven't got Instagram in front of me, actually, but I know who's also um, got plans to build something. Um, I, it's wonderful. Um, and, I mean, I know Andrew's built uh, pinhole cameras in the past for himself, um, although I know he uses a lot of... Um, built ones but I, mean, I know Andrew's made pinhole cameras in the past the thing is so I I had this idea for a build which I'm not going to I'm not going to try and explain in detail because you've made it abundantly clear to me that my idea sounds very complicated and insane although to me it sounds very simple so the, the very simple and if anybody wants to take this idea and do it please do um <laughs> I remember, so my we talked about the idea of having a camera where you had a central core with the paper wrapped around it, and then a, a pinhole slit, kind of in like on an outer tin rotating around it, so the the outer pinhole makes the picture on the central core. It makes loads of sense. But what I thought was that's really difficult to do because it's very hard to turn the outer core around whilst keeping the inner core stationary. So my ingenious solution was let's just rotate the inner core because you can do that it's easy to turn the middle but keep the outside stationary um but how do you get the light to the inside to beam onto the you know the um outer core periscope so long story short my idea is put a periscope into a biscuit tin 
with a lens on the lower end of the periscope pointing towards paper which is on the inside of the biscuit tin sort of facing in towards the periscope then underneath you have a small motor um, I was going to use a uh, the base for my Patterson orbital tool tank which is sort of just rotates basically uh, to turn it round at set time things um, and uh, exposing it's a really simple idea um, I don't know why you think it's complicated now. There, uh, it turns out that it's not quite as simple as the fact that I can build it. Um, I, I did have a very half-assed attempt at the weekend using a, a Pringles tube and, um, and a plastic tub. But the, the, material, the materials let me down. Also, the fact that I am incapable of either drawing my idea or measuring anything also let me down. Um, so I've, I've temporarily withdrawn from that idea. Um, one of I the think things it's genius sorry I think it's, it's genius a periscope is just a brilliant idea but it just falls down the fact that you don't have any of the materials to make what you're thinking of yeah i think that's... the lack of materials and any skills is where it falls down but that's why i want to put the idea out into open source if anybody can do this i mean i like and especially if somebody can do this who is vaguely competent with electronics, who can set up like a timed rotating thing. Because my idea with the Patterson tank, because it's a you know plugs into the wall and then just rotates. So what I was going to get was a a timer plug that you and you can buy these that actually go down to second increments. So I could have it rotate, turn it on for one second to rotate it, leave it for as long as is needed for the next exposure, and sort of set it up to go. The thing that I've been thinking of is that a lot of people are doing this with pinholes because it's the most obvious thing to go with. It's the easiest to kind of manage. Um, pinholes are no good for nighttime photography. As soon as it starts getting dark, pinholes no good. <laughs> I, I've, I've taken the pinhole picture uh, and, you know, I had to let it run from 10 o'clock in the morning till 5 o'clock and 10 o'clock at night till 5 in the morning. And even then, the only light it was picking up was in the morning. Um, pinholes are no good for nighttime shooting, are they? Well, no, it's difficult. It's not, You've got I, to find a way of balancing, either increasing the pinhole size or swapping to a different pinhole. or um, uh, the, the way that I'm getting around it is having a very narrow uh, opening in the, sh the rotating shutter, which then opens up massively uh, after sunset mm. so that street lights and things will, will work. But also I'm lucky because I happen to have some uh, quite high ISO paper handy, which you, uh, when I tried... It with the usual sort of uh, Milford multi-grade stuff. It, there was nothing. All you could see were specs where the streetlight bulbs were. Um, but then putting this 20 ISO galaxy paper in, I did actually get you know a, a, um, a decent exposure, which was pretty surprising. Yeah, I just um, I don't think I've ever seen any night pinhole photography. Have you? No, not not that I know of. I think part part of the problem as well is that streetlights used to be those sodium bulbs, are they sodium? The orangey yellow ones? Yeah, Which yeah. I don't think, they won't expose paper. It's the wrong part of the spectrum. You could use them as a safe light. So, um, but luckily I've got LED lights on my street, so I think that's why I managed to get some detail. Yeah. Uh, and the, the, just the warmer tones as well. Late in the day, you get those kind of, I know, pinhole uh, uh, exposures towards sunset need to be massively longer than your light meter is telling you that it is because they, they tend to go into the redder end of things and if you're using not just pinhole but just the fact of using paper it's just not sensitive to the that redder light so yeah, yeah it's a bit misleading if you're trying to uh, 
uh, use a light meter to work that out. Yeah. But yeah. It's but difficult. yeah, but I, I, I did get, you know, I, I had a three, no, was it four and a half hour exposure, I think, on Friday night. And yeah. the later part has, uh, you know, I've got detail in there. So um, I just need to take the camera now. Well, I'm going to make modify it slightly. Uh, um, but I need to take it somewhere with loads of street lights to, so you can actually see. Oh yeah, that is night. Not just, yeah. <laughs> just just looks like a crap shot of nice street. <laughs> the problem with this is that when you have a four-hour exposure, um, you can only do this one one try at a time. You can like one go a night. Look at it. Go okay. I need to tweak that. It's yeah. um, slow going. That's and why. Sorry. Sorry. I'm... Yeah. No. With uh, the. The biggest problem is having a, uh, a mysterious black box somewhere for four hours in a city centre with cl- clockwork and is attached to it as well. <laughs> Pinhole cameras look bad enough as already, but you don't. You know, mine's got this uh, timing mechanism attached to the front of it, and I just think that's just going to get blown up immediately by the bomb squad. Yeah, yeah, it's so. not not the best time to be leaving things like that. We had recently we had um. Uh, there's an RAF base right next to where I live and um, they had to evacuate large parts of the town and area because there was a suspect van left uh, in the entrance with an out-of-date thing in it. Uh, turns out it was left over from filming from the recent James Bond film and loads of people got evacuated for it. Uh, and the funniest thing is that the way, the way I found out about this is that in a, a glo- so I, I live in the county of Oxfordshire in the Gloucestershire newspaper, it reported it as been happening in a village just over the border in Oxfordshire. I mean, the border's about 30 miles away, but, you know, it's uh, still less of no news, I suppose. It's just doing what I can. Um, I think for, for my... I, I'm going to increasingly think I'm going to be looking more at the conceptual idea of sort of day and tonight because I think... I, I'm, I'm struggling to think of a way that I can physically get different time spans onto a single shot in a way that I will find appealing. So I thought, okay, an easy way of doing this, and and maybe if I had the right subject matter, it could work, but an easy way, if you have a 4x5 camera, is um, make, just using a piece of black cardboard, a thin black card, um, make a mask to stick and sell tape on the front of your um film holder with uh one quarter cut out so you're exposing just one quarter of the film so you um put it in say with the top right hand corner uh showing um put it in the thing pull out the dark slide take the picture put the dark slide back in then flip over the piece of cardboard so that the next corner is open and expose it later in the day and so on and so forth so that way you could expose four quarters of yeah. the image at different times or more if you wanted to make a more elaborate mask for it um so uh, that would be fairly easy to do and i think even i could achieve that but i'm just not sure i could take a picture that would be worthwhile with it particularly not with the limitation of you'd want to not move that camera for all of that time otherwise yeah, you, you could mark the floor and set the you know, measure the height yeah yeah you could but I'm- it's, well, I suppose it depends. Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially no, with yeah. large format, there's so many bits that are moving. That, um, yeah, true. So, uh, and my that's back garden. Great, that's a great idea, though. I like that idea. I think I might try and do something like that as well because I'm not sure if my other effort is going to look great. 
to me. Yeah. yeah, that's a really good idea. Yeah. You, with the mask, the internal mask, you could flip horizontally and then flip vertically and get all four quarters out of the one mask. That's, that's a good idea. And yeah. if it was in between, halfway between the lens and the, um, well, maybe not halfway, but closer to the lens, you can have a blurry edge to it as well. So it'd be a nice kind of softed, soft, faded kind of uh, join for the uh, the different time sections yeah yeah i mean it's not well maybe a little bit but probably not much because it's going to be far far closer to the film plane than it's going to be to the lens but but i mean you oh, could yeah. also if you want to go to more effort and you couldn't just use the same piece of card and flip it around but you could make different ones and do it in slits going down so going from left to right or something like that and do the same thing and just block out so much and you yeah. always have a bit anyway there's loads of stuff that you could do fairly easily with working with four by five gives you a lot of or large format in general gives you a lot of options with stuff like that but um but yeah i think i might be looking more into the conceptual idea uh going from there oh well okay this next email is from first time emailer gilbert uh, and this is a good one we've got lots of good info here so buckle up everyone uh, gilbert writes in hello sea breams Hmm. Um, new listener here. Just finished going through the past 200 or so episodes after my friend suggested your podcast to me. Don't worry. I did it at 1.5 times speed, so while it shrank the time necessary to listen to everything by a third, it has also had the unfortunate side effect of making me think you all sound either really tired or possibly drunk when listening to the latest episode at normal speed. I think that's just what we sound like, really tired slash drunk. Um, some thoughts that I had saved up that are quite possibly from a 100 episodes back and will doubtless be far too long to read on air. Ha! The gauntlet has been thrown down. Uh, cyanotypes, as we were talking about earlier, despite having cyanide in the name, are actually remarkably non-toxic. I keep telling Rachel this. Iron cyanide salts are fairly inert chemically and are actually used as anti-caking agents in table salt, usually potassium or sodium ferrocyanide. Prussian blue itself, the colour in cyanotypes, is used to treat heavy metal poisoning and there's a great chapter in Mike Ware's Cyanomicon about how they fed it to Welsh sheep after Chernobyl. The only thing you have to be really at all worried about with cyanotypes is if you're using the new process, which uses oxalate, which Graham will know is in a similar form the poisonous bit of rhubarb leaves. Leaving it out of your crumbles is recommended. Uh, best way, okay, so that's and there's some good information there because Rachel's always giving me a hard time about not being careful enough with cyanotypes, but um, but uh, yes, I had uh, Mike West Cyanomicon, which I think we've referenced in the past, and here is an incredible research resource for cyanotype stuff. And within that, he has uh, a formula for new cyanotypes, which is a faster process, um. So it can be good for certain things um, if you want quicker results or want to use it in a situation where a faster acting um, form will be more useful. Uh, and oh yeah, and oxalates in quite a lot of plants and can be bad for you and bad for your skin. So best avoided. Okay, next thing. Best way to deal with dirty or dusty negatives is to throw out the cat. <laughs> Don't, oh, and also don't drop them uh, and do a final wash in some kind of surfactant like photo flow or even a squirt of washing up liquid in a pinch. Definitely helps to use either deionized or at least filtered tap water too. Living in London with super hard water, it's almost completely got rid of any streaking for me. 
Is this a problem for you? Are you in a fairly soft water area, I would imagine? Yes, very soft water, so quite lucky. I don't have any issues with streaks or you know, blemishes like that. It's pretty good. And what Although I use I use uh, for, you know, washing up liquid. Although it has to be fairy. I've tried other washing up liquids, and they've just left a slimy sort of gunk on the negatives. So I've realised they're not all exactly the same. But I've uh, found, you know, I'm sure other ones work as well. But the fairy is the one they've stuck to. Okay. Uh, Shout yeah. out to fairy. Um, if you're yeah, in America, well, I don't know if you have fairy in America, but. Mm. I mean, yeah, there's probably loads that are similar, but I've just the other the you know one of the alternatives I tried were just immediately messed up my film. I had to rewash it. Ooh, okay. So, uh, yeah, I use the um, Ilfotol, which is which is a, an Ilford um, chemical. You you add a tiny amount, so it lasts for absolutely ever, um, and that's what I use in my last wash. And I have started using deionized water uh, on my last wash now, and that is definitely helping, um, especially with the streaks and the watermarks. The biggest problem I still have is that my negatives tend to get developed late at night, and then they're left hanging all night. So they just have a lot of time to attract dust. It's better now that I'm hanging them up in the shed. And what I think I might also do is get something like a shower curtain to kind of wrap around where they're hanging up to just reduce even more so um right. but good tips in there okay uh regarding mm. chemicals dying on you uh this is a problem i've certainly had i've had chems of all variety die on me from cine steel df 96 to rodinal to c41 and e6 losing six five by four slides was particularly sad yeah i'll bet it was and expensive as well um Keeping them out of the warm and with airtight caps makes a big difference. I even started flushing out the air with argon to see if it makes a difference. Then I saw someone sells a bottle that you can use a wine preserver thing to suck the air out, which probably makes more sense and is cheaper. Um, good tips there. Uh, do you do anything uh, special with trying to store your chemicals to make them last longer, Al? No, not at all. They're just in... Um old sort of mineral water bottles that aren't opaque they're just you know uh, transparent bottles so i'm not really making any effort to do anything different yeah i've never heard of anybody struggling with rodinol before uh, mine turns a horrible color but i've just used it the same it even crystallizes and you get all these kind of crunchy bits at the bottom of the bottle but i've just ignore that and carry on so i'm, I'm amazed that they've had trouble with that but yeah, well, I suppose it depends yeah. on the condition it's kept in, doesn't it? It's Maybe if it's mixed up, it's more of a problem or something. Um, one of the tips that I have gleaned from uh, the FPP, um, which Leslie Laserbeams has mentioned on more than one occasion, um, and I think it's a fantastic idea, is that in her, I think it's mostly when she's mixed chemicals for things like C41 or whatever, or some of the black and white stuff where you've got mixed chemicals that you're keeping around is that she um puts marbles in there she fills up the bottle with marbles until there's no more until the, the level is up to the top so there's no room for air that's a good idea it's a really good idea um so yeah i think that's a great tip um well worth yeah. listening to. um regarding rachel and the problem with her hasselblad back she said if rachel wants any help with it send her send gilbert an email i will pass this on by the way gilbert um, i have successfully disassembled cleaned and reassembled all three of mine recently and they now all work perfectly i have both the a12 and older non-automatic versions which work slightly differently and as long as she still has all the parts as a big uh, if it shouldn't be too hard um 
So I will pass that on to Rachel. It would be lovely if we can get Rachel. <laughs> it's the saddest thing that Rachel has bought a Hasselblad and has been unable to use it because of a lack of a back. Uh, yeah. I, uh, now I'm off to try some split toning for the first time after hearing about it again on backing paper. Cheers and apologies for the ramble from Gilbert. P.S. It was incredibly hard to find out how to email you as I'd forgotten the email address. Maybe have it somewhere on the website. Listen, Gilbert, you've just listened to nearly 100 shows and on an awful lot of those shows, I'm definitely sure that if not me, then Aid at the very least has said, go to sunny16podcast.gmail.com. It feels like we say that a lot. But um, yes, anybody who wants to email us, sunny16podcast.gmail.com. We never get emails from you, Al. I feel very lost. Um, split toning out. Have you heard of split toning? We were talking about this with Mike last week. Um, no, I haven't tried it, but it looks brilliant. I've watched a few videos on YouTube about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, something I, I really want to try. I'm not really set up for darkroom stuff permanently. I, I use the uh, utility room when I get the chance. Uh, but yeah, I I'm just focusing on when I can get the darkroom set up permanently in the cellar, which is complicated and you know, a lot more complicated than it sounds. So, yeah, eventually, yeah, it's something I want to do a lot of because it looks brilliant. It's fantastic. But, I mean, no. I, the darkroom stuff is so much fun. It's just also such a terrible time, I think. Um, I was chatting to Rachel, I think it was after the show last week, and I think she mentioned on the show that she'd spent some time in the darkroom making some prints. Um, and I don't think she mentioned on the show the fact that she completely lost track of time and was like uh, an hour after she'd promised she'd been home, she got a phone call from her husband going, uh, are you all right? Oops, sorry. So <laughs> time does just go because it tends to be so yeah. dark and peaceful and warm and you're slowly getting high on the smells from all the chemicals and um, uh, it's great. Uh, I'm very excited. Next week, um, I have got John Whitmore coming down to join me. <laughs> uh, we're going from John Whitmore's big and very well-appointed dark shed, and I'm bringing him down here uh, to rough it in my dark shed. Uh, have you got power yet? No, no, I do not. <laughs> so this is going to be good fun. Um, we're going to put you on to the test. Um, so uh, that that will be. You will hear how that goes next week, listeners. Something to look forward to. Uh, okay, right. This next email is from Christian Strauff, and this is another long one. So again, brace yourselves, everybody. Uh, this one is entitled "Experimentation or Learning." Dear Sunnies, thank you very much for the fantastic last episode. It was very inspiring and interesting discussion, and Leah was a delightful guest who added many interesting aspects to the conversation. It's always a real treat to have the three of you together with an interesting guest. Thank you very much, Christian. Okay, here we go. I had to put paragraph breaks in this because Christian sent this into me in one massive block of text. It was practically an assault. Anyway, um... There were three things that came to my mind after listening to this episode. The first thing is that very often a learning process is mistaken for experimentation. Except for very rare cases, most cameras, processes and films have existed for a reasonable amount of time, and even though they can be used in many different ways, normally results are predictable when using them. However, producing such results needs practice, so in a strict sense it's not experimentation when trying a camera, film or process, but learning how to use them. 
Experimentation is when there's only a suspected outcome that needs to be proven. This is important for the second thing that came to my mind, as you also mentioned in the episode. It makes quite a difference whether you shoot for the sake of experience or for achieving good results or both. I believe that shooting for the experience isn't fun in the long run if the results are constantly bad. Neither is shooting for the results if the experience of shooting isn't enjoyable. So for me it comes down to the simple fact that in the long run, aiming for an enjoyable shooting experience that also produces good results is the way to go. This leads me to a third observation. It's work to master a camera, to understand the properties of a film and the quirks of a developing process. It takes time to master a camera in the reality uh, and the reality is that most cameras start to make fun when you know how to use them properly. I used to change cameras, films and the processes constantly when I started film photography again. While the shooting experience was interesting at first because there were so many cameras to try, it became less and less enjoyable because achieving good results when constantly changing variables was more or less a random thing. Also, I never really got used to a camera in a way to really feel comfortable using it. And no, this was not experimentation. I simply hadn't learned to use any of these cameras, films or processes properly. It was like going to a music store and expecting to simply pick up an instrument and be good at using it, when in reality it takes a lot of practice to play one. You guys should know, you're all musicians, aren't you? No, I'm not. (laughs) The other two very much are, and I am very much not. Don't get me wrong, I'm not judging people who approach photography in such a way. Getting into analogue photography is fun and almost always involves trying a lot of things. You wouldn't be able to find your favourite camera or film any other way. All I'm saying is that it might be nice for a while to do it like this, but in the long run I had much more fun when I limited myself to one or two cameras, film types and developing processes and really learned how to use them. I suddenly stopped thinking about the settings of the camera after a while. At some point I knew what a scene would look like on a particular camera, what would work and what wouldn't, and the developed film would always come out nicely. At that point, it's about the subject of your image, and that's when I started taking better photos. I think that this is AID's approach, and it's a wise approach. Oh, hang on, I make an edit point here so I delete that last sentence. As cliche as it may sound, when the camera becomes the extension of your arm, you're in the zone for taking good pictures, and that's when the real long-term fun starts. Thanks again for the very engaging last episode, Keep up the good work. Cheers from Christian, who's at C underscore STR1 on Instagram. Thank you very much, yeah. Christian. So, um, you listened to last week's show, right, Al? I did. Oh, that was, that was a very then. long pause there, and I was about to kick you <laughs> off this call. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? Because I know you do quite a lot of... I mean, I would... Uh, However you define it, I think you do quite a lot of experimenting. I mean, you've been out with the cardboard box and the clock parts this week. I would say that's experimental because there's no way you can predict the results with that. Um, But what are your thoughts on experimenting versus settling down and using um, a smaller field of cameras? What do you like to do? Um, Well, listening to that email, um, I was... Yeah, my I don't really think of the experimentation side in in regards to the camera. I suppose yeah, if it's a box, 
that I've thrown together, then I need to work out if the, you know how it's going to expose, and that, that there is an element of experimentation, I suppose, in that. But gen- my general sort of photography across a wide range of large format to um, pinhole or half frame or whatever, as long as the camera's functioning correctly and I'm getting the right um, shutter speed, you know, which is obviously a bit, of, a bit of a question mark over that with older cameras, but. But the I'm only really concerned then with the developing, um, and I've realised recently, having to having to shoot film a pan with the Intrepid just for the cost sake. I've tried to narrow down onto um, what it's going to take to get a you know, decent exposure and, and developer. I'm realised, you know, I'm realising is such an important part of that and the developer that I'm using is Rodinol for, for Fomapan and you don't get anything like the box speed out of it I, I'm not finding that anyway so um, I'm using a lot I was I started off shooting a lot of uh, Fomapan 100 but I've moved over to 400 now since realizing that I'm I'm pretty much I get about 200 out of the 400 um, yeah I've worked out my own sort of you know developing times and um, it, it seems to be about ISO 200, which brings the shutter speeds in, into a, a reasonable area if I'm taking somebody's portrait. Uh, that's why I've moved from the 100, because I would only have been getting about 50 ISO, and then it's kind of the, the times just get too long to get a sharp image. Mm. Um, yeah, so that is the, that's the end of it, where the uh, I've the, there, there seem to be a huge number of variables that I'm trying to hone in on. Physically using each particular camera, I don't, I don't know. It doesn't really. I haven't had much concern with that, but um, yeah, my my recent journey, particularly this year, I think, has just been trying to hone in on what I need to do to make this film pan work for me because I really need it to work because I can't. As much as I love Ilford and you know Acros when it was about uh, in four by five, I just yeah I can't I can't shoot that every day, which I well I mean I'm not shooting every day, but it, you shoot often, um, so it's it can't be expensive. <laughs> it's got to be form pan, and it's brilliant. I'm finding it really does work very well now. Um, I think it's, it's um, yeah, shoot it 400 as though it's 200 ISO, and then um, seven minutes 15 seconds in road and all one to 50, and it's just perfect. It looks really good. Yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. Um, I I've been using the the um, Fomapan uh, also in my four by five shooting, um, and I say I've I've had some really I've been quite pleased with the results I've got from using the um, the Fomidol LQN, um, and yeah, that was that stuff. was yeah that was stuff I was using. I was shoot, I've I've only really shot it at um, ISO uh, one hundred. Um, yeah, I think you you will get the box speed using the correct uh, developer like that. Yeah. I've never used that. It's just it was either HC110, which I have, or Rodanol, and the HC110 was just awful. I could not get. It. I love that developer for HP5, um, but yeah, for Rodanol, I couldn't get it to work at all. It's just everything looked dreadful. So um, I, yeah, got some more Rodanol, which I usually have, um, and yeah, I find it works beautifully now, but just at half the speed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have you tried Cafenol? Because that's been the thing that's been recommended. No, I, I think Christy in particular has actually recommended um, uh, Cafenol. Yeah, 
I haven't tried it, and I've seen such beautiful results. I mean, the, I think the first time I saw incredible results from it was uh, Andre Dominguez shared a photo that he took of a mate of his in a, a, that he, he took in a cafe, which I I I'd heard about uh, Cafenol and just assumed that it would be this quirky sort of process that's going to give kind of a weird um, vintage kind of look to it. But it was it wasn't. It was just an incredibly beautifully exposed shot. It was just stunning. So I, I, I was blown away by it, um, but no, I haven't, I haven't got around to trying it yet. And so do. And um, when it comes to sort of cameras in general, do you tend? I know you've got quite a few cameras. We all have quite a few cameras. Do you find you tend to shoot with the same ones most of the time, or are you quite keen to try different things out? Um, I, I I've got. I really like the OM range of cameras. I love my OM two N. But it's given me trouble. It's just got this persistent light, slight light leak, which I've struggled to to get around. Um, I've had the the light sealers done twice professionally, and I've tried to do it myself. But for some reason, I'm still getting a slight haze at the bottom of the image. So I know it's the top of the back door somewhere. There's there's light getting in. So when I'm the, the camera that I grab when I know I've got a, a get a shot that's going to work is my om40 mm -hmm. which, which apparently was you know, had a reputation for being a very unreliable camera but my one is just i love it it's a cheap plastic it functions just the same as the om2 it's got the shutter speed around the uh, around the lens and it's just you know but it just it works brilliantly and i know it's completely light tight i i totally trust it the, the light meter works really well um yeah that's 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 the one that I use most, I suppose. But, but yeah, I do use a, my Olympus half frame E three as well, which is great. Or the the XA two. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but yeah, I think it's yeah. I, the XA two always feels a little bit like, oh, is this going to work? Cause I had an XA years ago, which was great, but that stopped working. Um, so I kind of think, oh God, when's this going to just die on yeah. me? But the uh, yeah, the the OM stuff, I I really like. But yeah. yeah, I wish I could get this. I need to redo the sealers again. I, I've, I spoke to somebody recently in Carmarthen Cameras who said that the, the back door might just possibly be slightly bent and you might need to, you know, flatten it out again if it's bowing out slightly. Have uh, you? I mean, have you just tried taping the back up thoroughly with just to see if that solves the problem? Um, no, I haven't actually. I don't How? think on this oh, one. See, that blows my mind. It blows my mind that your first solution, long before you even thought of getting the seals done, wasn't well. Just electrical tape everywhere. Well, electrical tape everywhere. I put off that because I, I did that. That's how I used to use the uh, Nikon F three hundred one that you've got. Yeah, I used to tape up the back of that completely. Oh, really? But then eventually, <laughs> I've done after, that. <laughs> well, um. Yeah, maybe perhaps I should have mentioned that. <laughs> it, it started to pull the vinyl off, um, and I've had a few cameras that I used to tape the back up, and I would just say, "Oh no, I don't." I, I'm quite happy, you know, to replace the light seals on cameras, which I didn't back then. Um, yeah, I just need to get some better foam. The the, um, the light seal foam I buy in a sheet. Um, I think I need to get some that's a bit thicker. That that should cure it. Just use some carpet; yeah. it'd be fine. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I do tend to find that there's, there are cameras that I grab when I want to go somewhere and have a high degree of confidence of getting the pictures, and then there are cameras where I'm like, 
I'm going to somewhere. I know there's not going to be any pictures I particularly want to take, so I'm going to take a camera to just play with and try out and see what it does. And those are, that's two very different things for me. Um, so next weekend, I'm hoping to get um, up to Cheltenham uh, to take some pictures. And I will take with me cameras that I trust and have tried out and want to use because you know there's an opportunity there for me to take pictures i haven't taken before i've never really been photographing photographing <laughs> photographing in cheltenham before um but if i'm gonna you know if i'm just gonna wander around my village and i you know f not feeling inspired by the scenery then i might grab some as you say some random box camera something like that and so it's yeah different things for different days um yeah that is going to do us for the emails this week. Thank you very much to everybody who emailed in at sunny16podcast at gmail.com. Do keep the emails coming in. We love hearing from you. Um, and uh, I, I love the knowledge uh, that ever, people out there have and share with us. It's um, fantastic. Never stop learning on this show. At least I don't. Um, but I think that probably starts from a baseline of not knowing much to start with. It's very handy. Um, before we leave you, there is, of course... <laughs> The wonderful matter of our fantastic coffee donors. I'm trying to think there's anything else I need to remember. It really throws me not having Rachel here. Um, I know we've talked uh, repeatedly on last week's Backing Paper and on the Sunday 16 podcast about the fact that Emulsive Secret Santa sign-up is going on. Don't forget about that, he says, knowing that I have not yet done it, but I will do it. I think um, I saw a post from M. Over 700 people have signed up already, so that's fantastic. It's going to be another great year awesome. for that. Uh, Hol Holger Week's finished as well, isn't it? So people have got to have they got to do something with their images from Holger Week? I'm that not sure is a good question. Let me up. just quick that quickly bring that up because I've got a head like a sieve. Um, but yes, Holger Week has finished. Um, so uh, let me see. Uh, Holger Week finished last Tuesday. Um, the pictures need to be shared. Holger Week deadline. Here we go. Um, so the submission form is open now as of October the 8th. Uh, and the deadline is Friday, November the 8th. So you've got a good few oh, weeks okay. yet. So I, I've got my role that I need to get developed. Um, I took a couple, I think two or three during the week, and then I've just finished up the rest of the role afterwards. So, um, But yeah, get your pictures in. Were you out? You've got a uh, I did, yeah. Holger BC. That's the one with the black corners, isn't it, Al? Is that what you were using? No, I I got rid of that a while back, although I regret it. It was a really nice camera. But no, I've got a I've got a 120 um, GCFN, so it's a glass lens, the one with the colour flash. Or oh, cool. <laughs> more, I call it the fog light, because <laughs> if you use that flash, you've just fogged your phone completely. It's just not <laughs> It fires backwards operable. into the camera. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I can, so I haven't bothered. I've just chucked, taken the batteries out of it, and I don't, don't use the flash. But it's great. It's beautiful. I've, I managed to get a shot, a few shots, I think, on the first day of the week. Then after that, it was just dark, dark cloud, absolutely miserable week yeah. until the last day I took the kids down the beach and got a few shots that were quite nice. So, yeah. It has yeah, been so. very dull and miserable. I stuck a roll of HP5 in, but even with that in, it's been so dull. I think I have ended up just taking a lot of double, triple exposure, like, oh, well, whatever, they'll be whatever I did that, be. yeah. Because I remember you doing that with your 127 Bakelite yes. camera up yeah. in Liverpool. I tried that here, and I, I was kind of taking seven or eight exposures, um, just holding it kind of wedged against some railings. But, yeah, it, it didn't really work that well. <laughs> it just looks like a slightly blurry shot. If I'd gone, if I'd let it move more, I think it would have looked better. You're just or too kept stable. It off the yeah, it's not quite the edge. 
between sharp and furry, so it just looks crap. Yeah, <laughs> that, that is the problem. We were talking before we started recording. You um, recently got hold of and rebuilt um, an Ensign Full View, which is a a fun a, a box camera essentially, but it's quite a fun looking box camera. And yeah. um, and I recently got a couple of these, and, and uh, Rachel's got a couple of them. Rachel actually, when she was doing a recent event, she was using them, and um, the results from that, I, I, they, I think they occupy that realm somewhere between um, wonky enough to be cool and good enough to be decent. It's like, well, it's, decent. Such, it's such a good looking camera. It looks it's halfway between the Mallard tree. <laughs> and a Cyberman. Oh yes, very much. I think maybe you should spray paint your silver to make it look more like a Cyberman, um, and then and then paint delete on the front of it. I would be a big fan of that. Um, okay, well I think we've uh, prevaricated enough. I think it is time for us to do our coffee things. Thank you so much to everybody who donates a coffee. We are eternally grateful. Um, and uh, yeah, we we've got stuff coming up that is going to help with it and. Um, chatting to Ray. just oh well anyway it it really helps um even the, just the small things even in the small things that it takes the pressure off for rage and myself and a to to do and not have to worry about it, having to fork out money for little things it really helps so thank you so much to everybody and uh, oh hang on a second i've got my researchers notes here okay <clears throat> al you're going to do the honors with the names aren't you this week shit yeah. <laughs> can you see the names in front mm. of you al no. Nope. Go right to the bottom. I'm sorry, listeners. He's a, our, our youth trainee, and we're, we're, working, we're working on getting him up to speed. And honestly, arguably more work than it could ever possibly be worth. Don't, don't ask him about vintage photo booths. You'll get a pack of lies out of him. Have you found them now, Al? <laughs> um, no, where am I looking? This is the bottom. Scroll to the bottom of the um, oh. show notes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You find the top. And then go to the opposite end from there. Okay, we have Harry Thackeray. Okay. Oh, these are so bad. Um, Harry Thackeray is a keen environmentalist, and he's been he was doing his bit to help the planet uh, and reduce the methane levels by capturing his farts in balloons. Um, disaster struck when he entered his very overcrowded fart balloon storage area in a thick woolly jumper, causing a static shock to leap across and ignite the lot, blowing his shed to pieces. And. Fraser Yule. Uh, Fraser Yule loves October because Halloween means he can get to dress up in his sexy photographer outfit. In case you're wondering, um, that's a camera with a strap across each shoulder, uh, a fanny pack filled with film, sensible pair of shoes, a big smile, and nothing else. <laughs> a disturbing image for you all. God, I'm going to need some help with this one. Um... Uh, Slavic Carvass. Well, at least we assume. Okay. Apologies to Slavic if every month we butcher that horribly. Um, Slavic believes that the future of sports is about combining existing sports, and as such, he is currently investing heavily in very long luchador masks and vast quantities of lycra in preparation for racehorse wrestling. Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, um... Chris Manor. 
Chris is known as a big noise in his neighbourhood. This is because every full moon he runs down all the streets hitting people's bin with a baseball bat uh, to scare away any potential werewolves in the area. Uh, His neighbours have asked him to stop. And Bill Thu. Bill Thu got into quite a lot of trouble recently when he misheard the idea of setting the world record for eating crackers uh, and... and and instead um, decimated his local duck pond. Quackers. The six million <laughs> E-men. It's because he ate Edward the ducks, and... guys. <laughs> he ate a lot of ducks. <laughs> I don't want anyone to miss the wonderful hilarity. <laughs> Sorry, what were you saying, <laughs> Oh, you've moved swiftly on, haven't you? I uh, have, Ed, yeah. Uh, Ed Worthington has a favourite grape. Not a favourite type of grape, uh, but actual a favourite individual grape. Um, the, he's called the Grape Neil. It's a red grape, and he rescued it from a fruit salad he was having at his local harvester last week. Uh, and he's currently looking into adoption processes, proceedings. I don't know how you oh, adopt a grape, sweet. but, you know, that's why there's uh, forms. That's so sweet. Mm-hmm. And... Christoph. Uh, we all like seeing people making interesting cameras out of stuff. Uh, Christoph tried to make a camera out of ham, um, but it started badly from the get-go when he tried to shove the lens into the pig's mouth, uh, and it really went downhill when he tried to load the film in the back end. I can't believe you've wrote me into this. <laughs> <laughs> Into these war crimes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've got. Oh, hang on, I've got. Uh, have I missed somebody? We have. Oh, uh, Andrew. We've got Andrew, Andrew Bartram's next one. Okay, Andrew Bartram. Oh, Andrew Bartram, you say? <laughs> Andrew Bartram was lead singer in the 70s disco and boogie band Salty Bee and the Electric Kippers, but he. <laughs> He had to leave the limelight after falling out with the bass player uh, over a conflict with regards to the width of his flares. Too wide. Andrew likes a wide, wide flare. Um, presumably so he can hide pinhole cameras in there. But do check out. Have you got any of the vinyl of Salty Bee and the Electric Kippers? Because I know you're quite into your old records. Of course I have. It's <laughs> brilliant stuff. It's, oh, it was his outfits. I mean, he made, he made Elton John look like... a. I don't know, a, a, a brown paper bag by comparison. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, everybody, for donating. Uh, as I said, um, it is amazing. It is, it, is your, the, it is the kindest show of support you could possibly give us, and uh, we are forever and eternally grateful. And Rachel's much better at showing thanks than I am. I'm just, I'm more here with the bullshit. What can you do? Um, but that will do us for this week. Uh, thank you so much for joining me <laughs> and suffering through this. Um, at short notice, in the middle of the night, you're an angel. Yes. It's a pleasure. Where can people find you? Go and look at um, the lovely pictures. Yeah, Alex Purcell or Grainy Blur on Flickr and... Uh, Twitter and Facebook. Yeah, have a look. Yeah, our stuff is always well worth seeing. You've been doing some really lovely stuff um, with your 4x5 this year. Uh, it always inspires me to get out and shoot more. I finished my first pack of Fomapan now, so I'm kind of debating whether to get some more or whether yeah. to maybe see if I can get some, maybe get some um, other stuff. You know, it's it's one of those things. I, I do like the Fomapan, um, 
some of those sheets do have marks on them. And I'm looking, I don't think that was me. I think, do you find that? Right. Well, I found that in 35mm, but I'm not finding that anymore with 4x5. No, maybe it is me I, then. I, I was getting some bizarre blemishes mm. yeah, in, in the smaller stuff. But yeah, no, the, the 4x5 has all been perfect, I think. Like, yeah. yeah, but I do like it. It's a really nice film, and um, yeah, I've had a lot of fun with the 100. Maybe, the, but get, uh, is it, um, if you're having good success with the 400 that might be quite handy so yeah especially going into winter stop the shutter speed from being days and weeks um go on (laughs) that's right no i was going to say the reciprocity of obviously everybody knows i think that the phone pan if you if you once you start increasing those uh shutter speeds then it kind of it gets exponential pretty quickly so uh yeah, although I, I use it for, for pinhole as well, and I, I don't really mind it. 20 minutes for an exposure, it's fine. I can cope with that. <laughs> you yeah, know. it's time to sit down and have a nice biscuit whilst you're waiting for it to develop. Um, exactly. If you're taking a picture of something and you clearly like it, then it's not going to be too big a deal to stand there and enjoy the time while, while you're there. So, yeah, it's yeah. good. Not in that much of a hurry. No, no, you live in South Wales. Of course you're not in that much of a hurry. <laughs> So it's slow time there, uh, and, and all the better for it. I hasten to add, I, I'm quite envious. Um, well, there you go. Go go to Grainy Blur to see some of ours fantastic work on 4x5 this year and some great pinhole stuff. Um, I highly recommend it. Uh, and we will be back on Thursday with the Sunny 16 podcast, probably. Rachel's not here tomorrow, um, but she, she's still away, so goodness only knows what's going to be going on. But I'm sure it'll be something, so that's... And I promise it won't be aid and I googling stuff again. <laughs> that I do promise. Um, read the internet again. <laughs> we're going to read the worst podcast ever. Um, but um, nah, That's good. <laughs> I appreciate you saying that, um, but you're a known liar, as we discovered earlier. Um, but until then, listeners... We will play you out with Remortgaging the Nest of Hairs by the wonderful band Schnauzer, who you can find on Bandcamp, and you should. They have many albums on there. They are great, they are weird, and they are wonderful. Thank you so much to Duncan from Silverpan Labs, who is the one who hooked us up with that in the first place and is part of that band. So thank you so much to those guys. And until Thursday when we're back with the Sunny 16, have a lovely week, everyone. Have a lovely week. 